بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعن سورة السبا السورة نمبر 34 and we are reciting from ayah 30 uh, 16 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فعرضوا فأرسلنا عليهم سيل العرم وبدلناهم بجنتيهم جنتين ذواتي أكل خمط وأثل وشيء من صدر قليل ذلك جزيناهم بما كفروا الجازي الا الكفور وجعلنا بينهم وبين القرى التي باركنا فيها قرى ظاهره وقدرنا فيها السير سيروا فيها ليالي واياما امين this is the story of people of sheba people of saba in yemen that allah subhanahu described the civilization as being very lush very cultivated very cultured they had a lot of peace security and they were ruled and governed by a very good person rabbun ghafur someone who was always looking out for their needs and their concerns this was one of their The, the, uh, this ayah mentions how they were in their hometown and in their hometowns I should say and then the ayah 18 will mention another type of ni'mah and that is the facility uh, in travel and that you want people to come and go from one place of the land to another place and feel comfortable where they will be held uh, as guests and not as hostages and where there is peace and security and there is no fear uh, or danger of being attacked or raided that's mentioned in ayah 18 so they had this complete civilization where goods were coming in and going out and uh, they were living in tremendous prosperity and they had the means of uh, travel and transportation also uh, given to them here allah subhanahu in this ayah 16 says that they turned away meaning from allah's command and there are many ways to turn away at the end of the discussion allah subhanahu mentions that this is because of their kufr and this is because they did not appreciate the ni'am the ni'mat the blessings of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so first and foremost as you will see they became stingy with their resources and they didn't want 
the villagers to benefit from what they had. Because in their travels from one town, city to another, they would have guest houses, they would have inns, and there would be many, many places where anyone could rest and benefit from the people of uh, Sabah. So the first thing they did was they denied the villagers access to food by taking out these rest places, these inns and lodges, and then they started to deny them also the food that was coming from their towns and cities and provisions. So this is one way to turn away. The other way to turn away is that they start, they would start to believe in false gods, as is mentioned in Surah Al-Naml. And perhaps these two incidents may be tied and maybe they're not. Wallahu alam. Okay. But the, this type of punishment which is mentioned in this ayah only comes when there's catastrophic dhulm and injustice. So dhulm may be in the form, as I said, shirk, not believing in Allah, or dhulm may be in the form of oppression and manipulation and monopolizing resources in such a way that no one else can benefit from what Allah has given to mankind. So Allah says, فَعَرَضُوا They turned away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says that he, we sent upon them the, the, the flood of the Arim, the Arim Dam. Okay. Arim is used in Arabic to mean a dam. And it could be, as this translator is suggesting, that it could be a proper noun, Al-Arim. Either way, they had the ability to engineer a dam. So you can see how cultivated and organized they were. So water would come from above the high mountains and then collect somewhere. And if they did not build a dam, all the water would cause flooding in the valleys where they had their gardens and uh, vegetations and their palaces and all of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when they turned away from what they were supposed to do, we released upon them the flood of the dam. And we exchanged for their two lush gardens, two other types of gardens. And in those, the ones that replace them obviously because they were in the flood plain and uh, the floods took away all the crops the produce, the fruits, the vegetation all the trees then after that type of catastrophe and disaster nature uh, comes along if you want and uh, you know the thorns grow the weeds grow and other types of plants and trees start to grow where you are not benefiting from what's coming out from the earth. From the earth. So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replaced their gardens with something of uh, very bitter tasting fruit, bitter yield, uh, and tamarisk, tamarisk trees, and also some growth of this uh, sidr, which is mentioned, the low tree, uh, 
also was there where the fruit is very very bitter and sometimes it has a lot of thorns and you're not able to touch it let alone eat it so in one time the civilization was very fertile very lush very lucrative productive and they were going everywhere in type of security and living the life but then when they changed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the affairs of their lives also and they could no longer survive because the flood had literally destroyed everything that they had. So this is as a punishment to them. ذَلِكَ جَزَيْنَاهُمْ بِمَا كَفَرُوا وَهَلْ نُجَازِي إِلَّا الْكَفُورُ And this is how we punish those who have uh, committed kufr because of their kufr. Kufr may be in the sense of the grand kufr, which is probably what is meant here. The kufr of Allah, denying Allah's laws and commandments and uh, oppressing people. And it it could also include the kufr of ni'mah, that you are ungrateful towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you do not care how you spend and you extravagantly waste the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. وَهَلْ نُجَازِيلَ الْكَفُورِ And uh, are we going to punish anyone except those who are exceedingly ungrateful? So in the previous section, we saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to Dawood and his family. And at the end Allah says, وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنْ عِبَادِيَ الشُّكُورِ and so few of my servants are exceedingly grateful. And in this section, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who are ungrateful exceedingly, they will be punished this way. Where there is no regard for who the munim is, the munim being Allah, who gives you this ni'mah, Allah. If you have no regard for the source of the ni'mah, and you have no regard for those who need the ni'mah, just as you need the ni'mah. That is the word kafur. So it will include both your due diligence towards Allah and your due diligence towards people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you a deputy on earth so that you may, on behalf of God, feed people, share Allah's providence with people around you and within you. So this is a lesson for civilizations that assume that they're going to be good forever. And they're going to live forever. The next ayah speaks about what I mentioned earlier. The ability to travel far off distances with a tremendous amount of comfort and almost luxury. We have sat between there town, if you want their group of cities, and uh, between other towns that were far away. The uh, translator here is suggesting it's Palestine, which is possible because the people of Yemen, as the Quraysh also later on, they would travel from the south to the north with very frequent ease. It was easy for, for them. It's Leela to Quraysh. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this also so that the Arab 
during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, realizes that this ability to travel freely comes from Allah. So here Allah says, we made between them and between the cities uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given uh, many forms of barakah, allati barakna fiha. And since the Quran speaks about Bayt al-Maqdis as a place uh, around which there is a lot of barakah, the translator chooses the word Palestine for that also. So Allah says, we made between this place and the places where they would travel, Quran Zahiratan. Very, very easily accessible cities and towns. Zahiratan means easily accessible where they're apparent and they are obvious. When towns and cities or even villages are obvious, you know that this is my next milestone. And if you don't know where they are, then you don't know where you're navigating, which way you're traveling. So you don't know where your next milestone is. So you see from a distance that the city and the next town is over there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they were also so blessed that they made travel easy. And they facilitated the transportation of goods and produce from one town to another. So the routes of commerce and trade were also very much part of the people of Sabah and the people of, of, uh, of uh, Sheba. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we, we had measured the distances in stages, that they were distances were appropriated as if they were organized this way, where you had rest places every so often, every 12 miles or every uh, 20 miles, every uh, two days of journey or three days of journey on camelback, you would get to another station so that you could uh, replenish your water, your provisions, rest, and eat the food that was available. So these were, these were travel lodges and inns on the road, uh, as we all know, that the Muslims also took on this responsibility of feeding the traveler, Wabn al-Sabil, one of the portions of zakat goes to the traveler who has lost his money and his provisions so that he may go back home or go to his destination without dying on the way. So Ibn Sabil is a huge factor in Islamic welfare and also the Muslims picked up on this and wherever Muslims went they would establish similar inns and travel lodges so that people would be able to eat food and, uh, as I said, replenish their water so that travel was made easy. So facilitating travel is a great ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it is mentioned in Surah Al-Nahl and we discussed that there also. Siru fiha layaliya wa iyyamin amineen Allah then subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the command in general not as a command of sharia as a command of, now take consideration of this ni'mah and blessing, and then see Rufiha. And then so we want you to travel in these towns and cities, Layaliya, for many nights. Wayyam and Aminin, and also many days, but in security, Aminin. There must be security before you travel. If you are not secure about your travel to Hajj, then Hajj is not binding that year, 
because there was security on the way. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the Quran mentions and discusses that travel requires security. Any indication that uh, Muslims would actually even consider terrorism and disturb the peace and security of people who are traveling is totally abolished and eradicated by these ayat where we never considered travel to be a burden. We always wanted travel to be easy and facilitated and why would we provide food and inns and lodges and all of these uh, resources on the way all the way from this place to another place if we wanted people to uh, become highway robbers and become hijackers and become terrorists. The whole idea that we appropriate a portion of our zakat towards the traveler shows you that in Islamic fiqh there is absolutely no room for the idea of disturbing travel. We promote travel. We don't disturb travel. Ayyaman aminin. The word aminin is the key to understanding this ni'mah. That you can travel but sometimes travel becomes very difficult as some people say the hadith Safar al-Sakhar is very, very difficult and it's almost like hell. Oh. Yeah. So we say, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Quraysh in Surah Quraysh that when you travel in the winter and summer you must worship the Lord of this house the one who has fed you out of hunger and the one who has given you security out of fear. So now, when you are provided food, then there's no hunger. And when you are provided security, then there's no fear. And that's how you travel. Right? Think about it. And you see everything that happens in the modern world today is all based on this. So Allah's Amr, Amr Taqween is called Siru. Allah wants you to travel this way. So all human beings want to travel this way. So this was a tremendous ni'mah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to this civilization, the civilization of Sabah, as an example for all of mankind. Then all of a sudden, for some odd reason, somebody suggested that why are we now providing food for people who do not belong to us? Why do we provide food for strangers? Why do we need to share our resources and become altruistic and become those uh, people upon whom others depend? So all of a sudden they said in their tongue of action, Rabbana. This is not a curse that they had on themselves. They're saying this through their actions. So it's not qalu physically, literally it's qalu. According to their state and their condition, where now they want to become niggardly and cheap and very, very stingy. So they said, Our oh Lord, create a distance between us and our troubles, meaning that we want all of these small little villages on the way. We don't want to share our resources with them, we don't want them to depend on us. So remove all of these, so presumably they went out and they destroyed these little inns and travel lodges and they disturbed the peace and security on the way 
and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them for this dhulm. They wrong themselves, they committed dhulm against themselves. Allah subhanahu then says, then we made them into uh, fragments, uh, that we made them into folk- folklore, hadith, that people would speak about them. That uh, these were the people who were here. Now they're gone. A hadith. This is folklore. People speak about them. They don't exist anymore. And more than that, ummazzaqnahum kullam ummazzaq. We totally obliterated them. A complete obliteration. Tamziq. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that uh, if Allah has given you these inamat and blessings and gifts, and you are willing to share and to allow peace and security where you live and in other places where people travel, then Allah's ni'mah will be upon you continuously. But if you decide that you're going to take this away, then Allah's ni'mah will be taken away from you because the ni'mah is not in your hands. The ni'mah is in the hand of the munim, the one who gives the ni'mah. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah says, In fi thalika layatil likulli sabbarin shakur. Indeed, in all of this, there are many signs, many proofs, and many lessons for every such person or every such civilization that is extremely patient and perseverant and extremely grateful. Again, from the beginning of the surah, we say this surah begins with alhamdulillah. All praise due to Allah. And the way we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by being steadfast and by being uh, persevering and uh, by being grateful for everything Allah has given us. So in this story, in the story of Sabah, uh, there are many signs, many, many portents, many proofs. And the more you think about it, the more you realize that uh, we can't afford uh, this nation to go the way of the people of Sabah. That this nation was built upon certain principles and values, whatever they are. But if that is changed through the law or through the attitude of people, that they no longer want to be altruistic and they they no longer want to participate in charity for other human beings, then the result of that might be this. The sweet fruits of the country. Uh, will be changed in exchange for bitter fruits of labor. So we must do our share uh, to protest and to demonstrate that we don't want uh, the U.S. law to represent the element of kufr and being ungrateful for the gifts Allah has given. We must be there in the front line to say, we believe in this. And uh, we don't want any kind of violence, any kind of trouble. And we don't want people to feel that they're not welcome. And we don't want people to feel that the people in the U.S. don't like other people in the world. The ayat, many signs. The Quran speaks to all people at all times. Right? Well, this was revealed 430 years ago. MashaAllah, maybe earlier than that. It still speaks to us. And it speaks to every civilization. 
Muslims must appreciate guidance from the Quran and then they must apply it and apply it to the people. Now, these people necessarily, not all of them, uh, are mentioned as being Muslims. Most of them were Muslims and some of them may not have been Muslims. Only Allah knows. We don't know. The point is that there is a rule for this world. What is the rule for this world? That if you care, you share. When you stop caring, you stop sharing. A very basic principle. And when people in this country cared, they shared. And if the trend is going the other way, then Muslims must be part of the dialogue, discussion, narrative, protest, demonstrations to say, we are not going to go that way. Because if you do this, all of this will be taken away. Not from us, from God Almighty. God is the giver. The Muslims must come back to Tawheed. That there's Tawheed fil inamat. There's Tawheed in the inamat and the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's called Tawheed al-Munim. The Tawheed of the one who gives. And when we recite Surah Fatiha, we are saying this. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem. Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. The path of those whom you have favored. So what is the inam? The inam, there are two types. The inam is either worldly or it is of the other world. If it's of the other world, then it's Islam. Then it's your ibadat and your dua and everything else that comes with it. And if it's worldly, then it's this. That you have a good life, you have peace, security. And you have all the goods that are necessary for you to live. In a very comfortable way. This is the name of the dunya. And that is the name of the akhirah. Muslims promote both. Because that's inam. Tawheed al-munim means that you promote both, not just one. So now the sharia comes and tells you this is how you use this name. You, you use water this way. You use crops and produce and fruits this way. You use animals this way. And you consume this much. And you don't consume this much. All of these guidelines came to show us how to use the ni'mah of the dunya in the dunya correctly. That is what your fiqh is about. Along with the fiqh of ibadat, the other fiqh is about the dunya. Outside of ibadat, the rule of law is about how you live in the world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that we have two stories. One story is that of Dawood and Sulaiman and their family. And they were people who had shukr. And they worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their lives revolved around Allah's worship. And because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the ability to rule and to control and to afford a good living for themselves and for other people. The other story is the story of the people of Sabah. Where at one time they were in the inamat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they changed, Allah changed them. When they changed, Allah took away everything that they had earned and they had built through a flood. Hmm. Yeah. This is how we see in the ayat. In this, there are many, many signs. And I would offer a suggestion to you. Think about it more. There are so many signs and so many civilizations have come and gone. And why were they destroyed? You must believe that they are destroyed for zulm, injustice, intolerance, 
and being niggardly and being uh, stingy and so on. Or they were oppressors. Or both. When we think about it, you'll see many civilizations and many empires. Uh, they came and they went. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exhorting us to believe this is from Allah and to believe that if you have sabr and shukr, you will not go that way. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hamd is based on two key values. One is that of persistence, patience, sabr, and the other is of gratitude. Uh, and showing your gratitude by uh, conforming to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed Allah uh, the Iblis had uh, confirmed uh, and made true his promise of his opinion. And he was, here he says vow, whatever that is. So Iblis made a promise that he will mislead people. And this promise came true in the people of Sabah. And so they followed him and his insinuation and his da'wah, his message and his promise. Again, it wasn't that Iblis came in the form of a man and told them this. It, what's happened, what happens in the cosmos psychologically. And naturally this happens. So this is the, the, the law of cause and effect in Allah subhanahu wa creation. إِلَّا فَرِيقًا مِّنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Except a few of believers. A few of the believers. A group of believers. Yeah. So Iblis comes... And he informs people that if you give too much, then you will be on the receiving end of poverty. As the Quran says, Surah Al-Baqarah, Shaytan promises you what? Poverty. By telling you don't spend. By telling you don't give. By telling you stop people from benefiting from what you have. By becoming stingy. And he commands you to do that which is immoral. Openly immoral. Allah promises you forgiveness from him and his fadl. So there are two now stimulants. One is the stimulant of the devil, Iblis, that usually controls the minds and the conscience and the subconscious of human beings. And when they get together, Somehow they all agree, yes, we can no longer afford to feed people and to offer people our services, except a few people. Those who have iman and they believe in sabr and shukr, they will always say no and say no, this is not the way, this is the way that Allah and God wants us to behave and that's what they do. وَمَا كَانَ لَهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ سُلْطَانٍ إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِالْآخِرَةِ مِمَّنْ هُوَ مِنْهَا فِي شَكٍّ وَرَبُّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَقِيرٍ Here Allah subhanahu wa says that Iblis, the devil, doesn't have any authority over them. Iblis is evil personified and by nature he is evil. 
and he became the cosmic representation of evil on earth after he was condemned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now he has a tremendous amount of influence on human beings, but here Allah says he doesn't have any sultan. He doesn't have any overwhelming authority over human beings. Right. The only ability he has is to insinuate. He has the ability of controlling people's minds and hearts through the power of suggestion. Where it's not real. It's fake. Like you have a magician on the stage. And the magician will show you things that are not there, not because he creates, but because of our suggestion. <coughs> but that magician, now he's entertaining you. Iblis is not entertaining you. Ah, he is destroying you. So Iblis's ability is destructive. But that ability has no power in of itself. So the Quran makes it abundantly clear, as with the story of the jinn, in the previous section. That the jinn had no ability to predict the future and had they had that knowledge, they would not have served Suleiman even after he was not alive in his uh, mihrab where he was praying. As you know, he was praying and his ruh was taken but the stick upon which he was leaning held him and he was standing for, it was a years, Allah weeks at least. So in those weeks, if you say weeks, they did not release themselves from the shackles of uh, slavery, and they continued working because they saw Suleiman still praying. So they couldn't even see what was in front of them, let alone see the future. They couldn't see the present, never mind the future. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that Iblis is the same, that he has no authority over you, except when you allow him to overwhelm you with his waswasa, and with his insinuation, and with his power suggestion. If you allow him to do that, then yes, you are overpowered, and you are overwhelmed, and he is happy, and you are miserable. That is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that uh, Allah has not given him, he believes, any overwhelming authority, sultan, domination over them, illa lina'alama. Except that we would be able to know and see, may yu'minu bil akhirah, the one who believes in Allah in the akhirah, and separate that person from those who are in doubt of the akhirah. When you believe in Allah and the Akhirah, then there is a day of judgment and you will be held accountable. And there is a reward and there is a good life after that, inshallah. And there is a possible punishment and a very, very bad life after that. Then you know that the devil has no authority over you. The devil has no authority and dominion over you because this is not about this world. So the devil can only insinuate in this world... He will not be able to insinuate in the Khabar. He will not be able to insinuate in the Akhir because that's now finished. It's khalas. His uh, so-called authority, the power of suggestion and insinuation, finishes here.
if you remove your um, your purpose of life okay, from uh, being uh, uh, confined to this world and you expand it to the other world, then his authority over you is almost null and void. Because now you will prefer what's going to happen to you over there and sacrifice a few things over here. Mimman huwa minha fi shak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know and then separate through that knowledge who is believing in the akhirah and who is in doubt about the akhirah. Shak here means that you're not sure whether there's an akhirah. This uncertainty may be in faith and this uncertainty may be in practice or both. You're showing others you really don't believe in the akhirah. It's no big deal. I'll handle that when I get there. Or if there is, then what's the point of living here? So that kind of approach and attitude is where the devil now wins and human beings lose. But just as the jinn has no authority over the future, no ability to predict the future, likewise the devil has no authority in the akhirah. And that is what he's meant by وَرَبُّكَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْنْ حَفِيظًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your Lord, is a, a perpetual guardian over everything. Allah will protect you in this world, in the Qabr, and also on the Day of Judgment, that the devil will not be able to override Allah's fadl. Because Allah is able to forgive. And the devil will be very, very disappointed and sad when Allah forgives everybody. This is how we see the fadl of Allah. So you have now concluded the circle of ni'am. The circle of inamat and blessings. That all of these blessings and bounties come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as I mentioned, there are two types. One are those that are limited to this world. And the other are those that are for the akhirah. And for the akhirah, iman is necessary. So the last ayah speaks about this ni'mah that belongs to the akhirah and it will manifest in the akhirah, the reward. And if you hang on to that ni'mah, believing that there is an akhirah, then the devil will have no authority over you. But if you let that go and you say, maybe now I'll do this now and later we'll worry about it. And then Allah is still protecting you through his fadl and inamat. But uh, you have to be careful. You don't take Allah for granted. So Allah protects in this world. He protects in the other world, between uh, this world and hereafter the grave. And he protects on the day of judgment. And this is how we see that uh, believers in, in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're the ones who are ultimately saved. As in the previous ayah. إِلَّا فَرِيقًا مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Except a group of people that they don't go with the insinuation of the devil, uh, and they don't allow him to do what he says he will do. And your belief in the Akhirah is the greatest means for your aman, as the Quran says. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ those who believe and do not adulterate their belief with any kind of dhulm, injustice, or shirk, and gufr, then for them there is ultimate security. 
So now security is also in this world, but the ultimate security is in the Akhirah. And if you believe in the ultimate security, then Allah will provide you security in this world and security in the other world. Security in this world means you, you will not forsake your Iman. Right? Allah protects you from sin. This is also security. There's physical security. You have cameras and you know, the police and all of that good stuff. MashaAllah. And you have the army and the, uh, everything else. Right. But security is at many levels. One security for Muslims is that Muslims are secure from committing sin. So you create an environment, a neighborhood, where the ability to commit sin is reduced significantly or eradicated. That is also وَرَبُّكَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْنْ حَفِيظٌ that your Lord is protecting over everything. Because protection from sin is now one of the cosmic rules. وَقِهِمُ uh, Protect them from making mistakes. The angels who carry the throne of Allah, the Hamalat Arsh, they make this dua all the time. Oh, our Lord, protect believers from making mistakes and sins. And they do this 24-7. So protection from sin is what Muslims should also ask for. Protection from the law and unjust rulers, that's one thing. Protection from the IRS is one thing. Protection from your bad health and diseases and illnesses, that's one thing. Protection from sin is a bigger thing. Then protection from punishment in the grave is bigger than that. And protection from punishment in the akhirah is much bigger than that. So when you see the word hafidh, you must not limit it to what you say, Allah will protect me, and this will not happen to me. It's not about that. That's very limited. Expand the rahmah of Allah, and don't constrict his rahmah. When you expand it, then you include everything. Allah is hafidh, and uh, protecting at every level for all Muslims. So the Muslim who's protected from sin, and protected from kufr, and more so protected from apostasy nowadays. Ah, then he has Allah's hifd. He has Allah's protection. But if Muslims only see protection and hifadah as belonging to the worldly namat, then they've missed the point. Ah, they've missed the boat. Totally. This is not what Allah is saying. Allah is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects people's iman in this world so that they may have ultimate aman in the other world. So when Muslims hang uh, tight and they hold fast to their iman, who is protecting their iman? Allah. And when, God forbid, someone loses their iman, who has not protected him or her? Allah. Why? Because they didn't see their iman is a ni'mah. Right? When you don't protect your health, and you don't protect your wealth, and you don't protect your family, and you don't protect anything else around you, then it's your fault because you are guilty of negligence. So when we don't protect the iman of our children, and the behavior of our children, or our own iman, and we remain in shock, doubt, all the time, Maybe it's right, maybe 
I, I know it is. <laughs> um, my friend here, he's telling me maybe there's a problem with Islam. The only problem in Islam comes when you do not believe in the Akhirah. When you don't believe that God is going to hold you accountable for you. Not for anyone else. Once you believe in the Akhirah, the devil will not penetrate. He can't. It's not possible. Why? Because Allah will protect you. As the Quran says, Ayatul Kursi, وَلَا يُؤُدُوا حِفْظُهُمَا وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ Allah will protect everything underneath the heavens and the earth. Allah is the one who protects us. وَرَبُّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْنْ حَفِيظٍ is now being juxtaposed with the earlier ayah where Allah says, وَرَبٌ غَفُورٌ بَلْدَةٌ طَيِّبَةٌ وَرَبٌ غَفُورٌ If you read the previous ayah, ayah number 15, at the end, Allah describes the civilization of Sabah as being a wonderful, beautiful place to live because there is a very, very noble, forgiving Lord, meaning whoever was governing. Right, but that governance is limited to this world. Who is the Rabb of everything? Allah. So here Allah concludes by saying, وَرَبُّكَ O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in your message to the Quraysh, you must say that Allah has given you aman because you are the caretakers of the Kaaba and the Haram and you're able to travel this way and that way. But who's going to protect you if Allah decides to punish you on the Day of Judgment? That was the first message that the Prophet ﷺ gave at Safa, right? Amman Safa. I'm a naked warning to you. If I told you that there's an army behind this mountain, you will believe me. And likewise, I'm telling you that if you don't believe in one Allah, then he may punish you. To which they said what they said. So this reference to Rabbuka is very critical that Allah is speaking now to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That you must believe in your Lord that he is going to protect you not only from people but from sin and then from punishment in the Akhirah. Likewise, your followers will also be protected as long as they are the custodians of their own Iman and of their own Taqwa. If they give that authority to the devil, then the devil will rule and control. But if they take possession of that, and they control themselves and their lives and their moods and their actions and their iman and everything else, then Allah will protect. And, and uh, obviously on the day of judgment, there's no one there except Allah. And we ask Allah to protect us in this world in every way, shape and form. And protect us in the other world in every way, shape and form. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayi khilfi Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabihi wa rahmatullahi 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 wa rahmatull